Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1983, Matthew Wilder decided to take his career of singing commercial jingles to the next level. Through battles with his original record label and some assistance from someone tied to the Gambino crime family, he broke into the Billboard Top 10. Over 30 years later, the song is finding a new life thanks to TikTok, and we're going to decide if that's a good thing with the help of Roots of Creation's Brett Wilson. So, Brett, I pride myself as a guy who knows his 80s music, and of course, I know Break My Stride, but you could have given me a thousand guesses and I wouldn't have been able to tell you that this was Matthew Wilder who sang this song. Did you know this was Matthew Wilder? I do only because my band covered it so long ago. I had to look it up and I was like, I had only known the chorus from what they call the fancy word interpolations, right? Right. right. Uh, of the song made famous later. Um, and I had no idea who wrote it at all. But I believe it is my favorite one hit wonder. It's a good one, man. I got to say, this song's an, this song's a jam. And it's one of those songs that just, 
inexplicably comes into my head. <laughs> just, I don't know why. Maybe sometimes if I'm running or I just feel like I can't, <laughs> if I feel like I can't be stopped or something, this song is just baked into our brains. And it's, it's kind of like what you said. This song is just there. It just exists. This song this is one of those songs that has always existed. I think since the dawn of time, for some reason, I don't know this melody and, the, and this message. It's a great message though. When I started to learn it, cause I only knew the hook and I was like, this, this is going to be great guys. We're going to cover it. We started to learn the other parts and I was like, Ooh, I don't, these other parts. It's almost like he wrote this hook and he's like, man, the producer came in. They're like, we got to write some other stuff. And they're like, okay, let's write some stuff real quick to match the hook. It's very strange the way it's composed in terms of musically. For me, it's a little bit disjointed. It's like the hook is like awesome. And then it's like so cheesy. The other parts are like. It, it's like he got into the studio and it's like, what is everything we can do that is exactly what's popular right now in 1983? Like what is, <laughs> what is the most, what are the most 1983 things that we could put in here? I'm talking instruments. I'm talking style, everything. And we have to get into the lyrics because you would think, right. <laughs> you would think that <laughs> this song would be about some, I don't know, story of overcoming some obstacle in life or something like that. But that's not really what it is. It's, it's, kind of nonsense <laughs> which we, we, we can start right there because it it, it it goes like this first verse last night i had the strangest dream i sailed away to china in a little rowboat to find you and you said you had to get your laundry cleaned didn't want no one to hold you what does that mean and you said, ain't nothing going to break my stride. <laughs> like, I don't know. I would have never guessed in a million years that that would have been the first verse either. That If you would have gave me, yeah. I think that's one of the best, worst rhymes ever of all time. China and find you, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a serious stretch. It's, it's a slant. It's a slant rhyme, as I tell my, my children when we talk about rhyming. Yeah, yeah. So Matthew Wilder, being a solo artist, didn't have to run these lyrics by bandmates or anything. Cause I, I can't imagine coming in with like, guys, I got the first verse. Here we go. I, I sailed away to China in a little rowboat to find you. I will say that Matthew Wilder's story is kind of inspiring. Did you look into Matthew Wilder's story at all? Like how he came no, to I be? Was, I would love to hear about it. I was more delving into the fact that I had no idea when I picked this song to talk about that it has now entered the Billboard Top 100 because of a TikTok challenge. Really? 40 years after coming out in the 80s. Yeah, so there's these TikTok challenges where you text song lyrics to friends or boyfriends out of context. So people started doing that with Break My Stride, and Matt Wilder adored it, loved it, so much so that he released a lyric music video this year composed of just the screenshots that people had posted on TikTok to do the entire lyric video for. It's amazing. It's impressive what TikTok is doing for the reemergence of songs from the past. There it's amazing like the songs that I'll see little kids. I saw Danger Zone recently was one that yes. got a reemergence from TikTok. Yeah, I mean People got to be psyched about it. Yeah, Matthew Wilder has to be so psyched. Yeah, he's checking his mailbox every couple months now. He's going to be checking his mailbox to see how his checks have changed, I believe. Oh, hell yeah. As long is. as he had a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. who knows? We don't know. We don't know the story there. Maybe he's banking on playing shows or something. But his origin story is 
you know, kind of inspiring. He was in a folk group, Matt and Peter, of course. <laughs> I don't know who Matt and Peter is. But uh, <laughs> he was doing commercial jingles in the late 70s, and he did some backup vocals for Bette Midler. So he wanted to make this album he signed to clive davis's label i was reading that yeah he couldn't find a producer who wanted to create the sound he wanted which was apparently the most 1983 sound possible (laughs) so he self-funded his own album man that's how you do it right brett really he did oh yeah he did that's how we do it that's amazing he's a trailblazer yeah so here's the thing that's awesome about this right is that he wrote the song and he said that the song is inspired by how frustrated he was that the label kept shooting down all of his ideas for this song. So he was just like, well, then screw it. I'm going to record it myself. He took it back to the record label and they said, that's not a hit. You're worthless. We're going to drop you. But because and only because he paid for his own recordings, the record label couldn't keep the recording. So he could take Break My Stride wherever he wanted. Like you two are musicians and I'm friends with a ton of musicians where like, you record a bunch of songs for a record label and they might say, we don't want to release any of them. And no matter how good you think those songs are, they own them. But because they didn't pay a penny for that song, he was able to take it somewhere else and and make it a hit. That's amazing. What jerk in 1983 (laughs) heard this song, heard that chorus and said, this isn't a hit. Maybe they didn't make it past the verse. They heard the verse and they were like, no. That probably is. They probably made it to China and find you and were like, nope. (laughs) They're like, no. They're listening to the radio later and like, oh, we should have let it go to the chorus. We we gave up so early. One of the more bizarre sentences I've read on a Wikipedia page, though, is that he takes this song to another guy, Joe Iscro. I'm going to assume is how this is pronounced. And this is verbatim what... Wikipedia said about him, a man who had a long history of questionable activities in order to promote and chart certain songs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd be more specific. So apparently he he took this song to radio stations. Chris, you should just try this in Pittsburgh, apparently, because apparently it works. He just took it to radio stations and were like, you're not playing Break My Stride? It's already one of the biggest songs in America. And they're like, oh, shit, we got to get on that. (laughs) (laughs) What radio stations were falling for that? That's that's actually hilarious. Well, there's no internet. So how did they research? They just took his word for it. I don't think that that's really very questionable. I think that's just... I think that's just creative. I love that. I mean, that's intriguing. It's not. It's not like he did an. He pulled an airheads and like and like stuck them up. He just. What communication technique is that? He manifested it. Yeah, he read the secret. He created the secret. Is what he did. I love it. That's almost as inspi- as inspiring as Matthew Wilder. I love that strategy. <laughs> You're not playing Darkest Dark by Punchline. What are you guys doing? Are you kidding me? It's the biggest song in America. So I did a quick research on this Joe Escrow guy just to kind of figure Uh out what the questionable stuff was. So I'm not going to go through his whole wiki page, but I'll read like that first two sentence summary that they give you at the top of the page. It sounded like a Webster dictionary for payola. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's it says uh, American former record producer and a reputable soldier for the Gambino crime family. Oh, my God. In the 1980s, he was the center of all of the investigations for his role in payola in the music industry. So he was like the guy that started the concept of payola. Wow. So is this guy like a Sopranos character who's going to the radio station is like. What do you mean you're not playing Break My Stride? I'll break your fucking nose. (laughs) He was prosecuted for 
57 counts of payola-related offenses, including rocketeering, mail fraud, money laundering, and obstruction of justice. Wow. In 1990. Dude lives in Philly now, though, so we can get him on the show. Maybe he can help me break some of my records. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll hire Joe Iscrow. Hey, the thing is, here's one thing about payola. I've heard payola. I've heard that word a lot. I just assumed that that was something that, yeah, of course people were paying to get their songs on the radio. (laughs) Of course people were making money. Like, I never assumed that that wasn't a thing. I always assumed that that was something that just happened already. You know, like I assumed that some millionaire's kid wrote like an average song and paid someone to play it. Didn't you guys always just assume that was something that happened? That's like when all the, when the college stuff came up recently about like, the celebrities giving giant donations to the colleges so their kids would go. I watched that whole documentary. I I binge watched it. I did too, but I was like, yeah, none of this is shocking information to me. (laughs) Like, I assumed that when I was in college that most of the rich kids there were there because of the parents. The the crazy thing about that was the side door. We all all knew about the back door where you, you pay a bunch of money and you build a building and whatever and and you get extra consideration but that documentary with the the side door was like this whole i guess i'm new assuming concept. this side door is not paying a college directly but paying somebody for some way to cheat on tests to get into those colleges basically there was like a guy that was like making a living taking money from rich people giving it to coaches and other people that worked at the staff at the staff at the college for a definite yes to the college and they would be put on fake sports teams like a regular guy who liked to skateboard would be in water polo and he'd be photoshopped into a water polo thing and his whole thing would be fabricated around this and then he'd go to school and it was crazy stuff i agree with you i always thought growing up i always thought that just you had to pay the piper but what i learned as time goes on is it's like almost like politics where you have a lobbyist aka promoter and they're promoting or lobbying your song, just like the people that are Pfizer reps that are trying to get a drug off the ground, they can't pay the doctor to prescribe the drug. But what what happens if they just get a, a, a Hawaiian vacation right. in their mailbox? Right. That's how I assumed it kind of went along where it was kind of like, right. but I think the payola is like, here is this money. <laughs> <Here's> this. <laughs> I'm going to play this song. Right. I mean, I once again, like, I'm glad I'm glad people are getting called out for it. I'm, I'm glad that Aunt Becky has to serve some time for doing some shady stuff. But once again, I just assumed that this is the kind of stuff that happened in capitalism. I'm not saying that it was right. I'm just saying that I was shocked that people were shocked. Yeah. Who's shocked? Yeah. Who's shocked? I'm not shocked. (laughs) I mean, they were, they were outraged. This is America. And you know, that's typically what happens with everything. It's not, it's not that the best (laughs) stuff, if the best stuff is what we were listening to, it'd probably be some, someone we didn't know who's playing at a, corner bar playing on the street somewhere who's actually singing about their serious emotions and what they're going through and it's probably the most beautiful heartbreaking music you've ever heard in your life you know but like no we're gonna hear whatever some rich person <laughs> paid you know for their kid to be famous or right what i notice about the pop music just because i i have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old and they are always wanting to hear the viral hits the top tiktok whatever's you know, going on, I guess it was always this way, but specifically now is like every type of music ever mashed, <laughs> you know, together. There might be, you know, some trap drums on a country song and there might be some country guitar 
on a trap song and there might be a 70s or 80s funk backbeat and whole production to a pop song to me it's like they're utilizing almost every genre it's just a matter of is the artist polished good looking enough have the record label or the team behind them all that kind of stuff and then you know the songwriters you know how many are there did they all work together in a boardroom to create the perfect you know smash hit but it's it's very interesting on how all the genres are kind of mishmashed together i do miss rock and roll i say this all the time if you listen to hit songs back in the day there was always a guitar solo yeah. <laughs> there's one on the matthew wilder song you know it's just a quick one like and that's been taken out of everything it didn't have to be a long one you didn't have to be like almond brothers or right. the dead or acdc it you know a, a, a short you know 15 second guitar solo that was like part of the song it was like you know intro verse chorus verse chorus guitar solo bridge <laughs> yeah yes. like that was actually yes. like a part of the song yeah i know i know what you're saying and i know that at yeah. some point, man, I, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I remember being in the studio and realizing that moment where it's like, wait, no, you don't do guitar solo. <laughs> guitar solos aren't part of a song. Grunge may have killed yeah. killed it a little mm. bit. Kind of off topic, but kind of also makes sense with everything we're talking about. But I've been reading a book that's just been like absolutely warping my ability to think about anything cognitively right now. And it's a book that Chuck Klosterman wrote a couple of years ago called But What If We're Wrong? The concept of the book was talking about things that we love right now in whatever year we're living and what parts of it will be remembered as important 200 years from now. And like the examples he was giving was he's like, name someone who writes marching band music and every single person is only going to think of John Philip Sousa and no one else. But like John Philip Sousa was one of like hundreds of people who were making marching band music. But like as the people who grew up when that music was popular all died out for some reason, his was the only one that persevered. You might be sitting there thinking like, all right, the 90s is going to be remembered for like Nirvana, say. But like for all we know, like a hundred years from now, there could be like a Daniel Johnston resurgence. And all of a sudden, Daniel Johnston is the only thing that people remember as like this, what the 90s were. And it might not even be like an accurate snapshot of like the decade that we grew up in. But like 200 years from now, that's like what people are like. Yeah, everyone was just like these sad, weird guys playing guitars and pianos and singing poetry out of tune. <laughs> 200 years. 200 years is a long time to think ahead in the future. Well, because the, the thing was that everybody who was alive when it was happening has to have died. Ah, out. I got you. So that there's no one to be like. No, 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 no. That wasn't what it was. Like, you have to have, like, that much of a gap. I don't think Break My Stride will, will be the song of the 80s. Dude, I mean, it's it's persevering, man. We're here. That's what I was just going to say. It's like you stay in the game until everybody else is, a- is out, and then you're the one that, that is the torchbearer, I guess. Yeah. I guess I never should give up. Then. No, you sh- <laughs> never should. Yeah, I mean, apparently not- Matthew Wilder's stride is still going it's not broken you know he's here he's here now he's on tiktok he made it when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. I'm going to have to try that challenge myself. I mean, if I did, it's a great opening line for a text. Last night I had the strangest dream. <laughs> that would leave me wondering if I got that. Who's, you have to wonder who was like, because I know that it had to have started with like someone in the age group of 12 to 22. Who was the person who heard this song and was like, yo, I'm going to record myself texting this these lyrics to a friend and I'm going to put it on TikTok and it's going to catch like wildfire. You never know what's going to catch on there, man. I, I watched some kid just go in people's ears and go, like just make this noise in people's ears and, and watch their reaction and get real mad at him. And it's like the most popular thing ever on, on TikTok. I don't even know what that word means. It just goes, it just goes in people's ears. It goes, sounds like Teletubbies. You said you cut, did you cover? I haven't heard your cover of this. Did you cover it in Roots of Creation? We didn't put it out into the universe, you know, as a touring band, you know, growing up in the Northeast uh, jam band scene, you know, reggae rock band, we mix in, you know, the jam stuff, you know, it was looked up to some of the Northeast jam bands like Fish and, you know, smaller bands, and they were always putting covers in and out of their sets so that if people traveled around to say five shows, the shows would be different because the jams would be different and the originals, you'd never recreate a set list which made us bring in different cover songs here or there. So that just happened to be one that we, you know, for a run. And I, I remember playing it in Hartford, Connecticut, and everybody was rocking out. <laughs> they were loving, loving it. And I was just like, I can't believe I'm playing this verse. I can't believe I'm talking about rowboats. <laughs> yeah. This is so strange. Everybody's just waiting. They're just like, and there yeah. it is, the chorus. <laughs> I, I mean, the song itself when I listen to it, I'm like, I can't believe I've never heard like a, a reggae or ska version of this. The rhythm just lends itself so much to that. It's almost like a new wave version of reggae itself, like the original. For sure. So- I was checking out when they released a 12 inch, according to Wikipedia, there was a dub version of it on the, the opposite side of the of the 12 inch, which I would love to find somewhere. Oh, you mean Matthew Wilder actually did that version? Yeah, because the UK, that type of music is like, is big. It's part of sound system culture, dance culture, whatever, much more than here in the US. So there there is a dub dub version, whatever that means. It's a titled dub version. I don't know if it's just a a version with some echo or whether it's kind of a remix, Mm -hmm. but it's somewhere. According to the article that I was reading, they're estimating that Little Nas X may have been the originator of this matthew wilder challenge somewhere so we'll have to research that that dude just does it all he just <laughs> man he knows the culture man he's a, he's a trendsetter he know he knows what's up it's funny i'm never really a fan of his songs 
but I'm a fan of everything else about him. Like every everything everything he does, I think is cool. I think it's funny. I wish I liked the songs more, you know. But I know eventually I, he's gonna put out a song and be like, "Oh yeah, I like that." Everybody seems to do that eventually. I no matter how much I dislike an artist, like yeah, eventually Justin Bieber put out songs I liked, <laughs> you know. Like eventually, eventually everybody who's popular, I'm like, ah, shit, I like that. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. He has some jams. The dude's a complete moron, but I just I can't I can't deny some of the songs, man. I just can't deny it. My daughter's really into him, and and so is my girlfriend. So I watched those little mini documentaries that he put out before the last record, and those were kind of fun to just see inside of his life. And it'd been so long since he put out a record. So if you check those out, it just seems like anytime I watch some sort of documentary on somebody, I end up liking them. It's yeah. like it's a win-win every time. Like I just watched. The, I never listened to Master P at all. And, you know, I like DMX, but I, you know, obviously he wasn't doing too well. So I, I delved into these documentaries on BET that are about Rough Riders mm-hmm. and uh, Master P, No Limit Records, to just show the history of making something huge out of nothing. Like, I totally respect Master P. I tried to listen to the music on Spotify and I couldn't really. Some of the songs were cool, but the production value is just not where I was like right. wanting it to yeah. be. But like, I have to remember that it was from 80s and 90s and he was just trying to pump out as many songs as possible. And just he had this huge vision and the music was only a a piece of it. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the the 90s will be remembered for uh, DMX. Maybe he'll be the at this point in time, be the he had a lot of hits. Sad to see him go. I played a little acoustic gig at a bar like music slowly coming back in a live setting. And they're like, what about a DMX song? And I was like, shit. I know the Rough Riders anthem on guitar, nice. so I played it really quick, and the whole place ex- exploded. <laughs> and this is not like a regular club; like this is like the Elks Lodge. Like right. <laughs> they're smoking cigarettes in there. They're probably the age of forty to sixty-five, and they're just like the whole place is like, stop, drop, nice. <laughs> shut them down. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Y- you think about all the the hits that dude had. Yeah, it's that was a sad one, man. When we had AOL Instant Messenger, I was CMX. I was CMX Punch on there. <laughs> we actually sampled DMX on a Punchline song called Express back in the day. We sampled a what? Was a heavy riff? It was like yeah, it was like a what? Yeah, it was like he's an influential artist, and and you are right, Brett. In the when you, it doesn't matter who the artist or band is, when you watch something like a behind the music or some sort of documentary, it's like impossible to not be a fan unless that person is just the biggest asshole ever, you know, like otherwise <laughs> it's I always come out like at least kind of liking the artist. Once you hear their story, where they come from, it's, it's kind of hard not to love them. The song, for some reason, the one other song from this time period that it keeps making me think of was uh, Blondie's cover of Tide is High. Like, I feel yes. like it's very much in that same, like, reggae, new wave sound, but, like, yep. definitely isn't something that you would put into, like, that second wave of ska reggae that was happening in the 80s. Like, it was very much, these are not reggae artists. Right. These are artists doing a reggae song. For sure. Like, little elements of it. I was reading that actually Heart of Glass was originally a reggae song. They were like, no, 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 no. That is not going to cross through the pop charts. And they, they sped it up into this kind of disco kind of feel. I'd like to hear that original recording of the Heart of Glass. Hey, did you guys know 
the Matthew Wilder Kids American song, the uh, his like second biggest no. hit. I totally feel like I know this. So I listened to this. I'm like, I know this. I I know I know this, and I didn't know honestly if I actually know it or if it just sounds like so many other things at that time. Can you play it? Can we just listen to it right Matt, now? Matt, in the episode, play a clip. Yeah, I didn't know he had another top 40 hit. Yeah, like hit number 33 or something like that. But I swear I know it. You know, I was looking at what else was popular at this time, and it is just nothing but hits. Nothing but hits around this time. Break My Stride peaked at number five in January of 1984. It came out in 83, but it hit its peak in 1984. And at that time, when it hit number five, number three at that time was Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Number two was Say, 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 Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. And number one was Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. So this is some pretty stacked wow. charts right there. He wasn't uh, Matthew Wilder has to be pretty psyched about getting getting up near Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, Boy George, and Yes all were above him at that time. Culture Club mixed in a little bit of the reggae here and there, yeah. too, as, as, as far as what I've listened to stuff. They all come, kind of maybe them and Matthew Wilder kind of imagine them being like in like the UK kind of UB40 kind of like they're kind of all delving into that. Those J- Jamaican influences in, in England. Yeah, man. How good is UB40, by the way? I can't say that I know any UB40 originals. <laughs> that man does the best covers. They're the best cover band of all time. Uh, you know what? You might be right, man. Guys, it says on Spotify that. Wilder produced No Doubt's multi-platinum debut, Tragic he Kingdom. He did. Yes, he did. That... He actually did a lot of production work and some pretty what? big names. 702, Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson. He did some music for Miley Cyrus. He even wrote some songs for Miley Cyrus in the Hannah Montana TV series. How crazy is it? That's actually something that I almost forgot about. I read that before we did this, but I can't believe I almost forgot about that. Tragic Kingdom alone. That means that Matthew Wilder had a hand in just a yeah. girl. Spider, spider webs. webs. Don't speak. Uh, Sunday morning. That's actually pretty impressive. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, and like break my stride. I mean, the uh, for me the reason I know it is you know from Puffy like quoting it back in the in the nineties, and then me searching like where what is this from you know. And then Modest Yahoo quoting it later in one of his songs. I haven't listened to the remix. Like, supposedly there's a remix somewhere because it's so popular right now. I'm starting to realize that Matthew Wilder is a bigger part of the musical landscape than I would have ever thought. Because think about this, guys. He had this hit. And then then a second, like, (laughs) we don't know if it was a hit or not. But anyway, Break My Stride. Huge song. We're talking 1983, 84-ish. In the 90s. He produces all these albums, including, I mean, Tragic Kingdom has to be one of the biggest albums of the 90s with all those hits on it. He didn't just produce one song. I was just checking out like he did. He was the producer of the whole album. Yeah. So he made his mark in the 90s. He was involved in this Disney movie. When did Mulan come out? Uh, 98. Okay. So that's late 90s. He has, you know, 
Puff Daddy, Modest Yahoo, people sampling his music, referencing his music. You know, that has to be late 90s, early 2000s. Now he's back again on TikTok in the current form that people are finding out about music. This dude, not to mention that he was in some sort of duo that we didn't know, but from the 70s, a backup singer for Bette Midler. I mean, the guy has definitely uh, made a crazy career of lots of twists and turns. Yeah, maybe he hasn't been Matthew Wilder, guy who sang Break My Stride the whole time, you know, like that hasn't been his claim to fame the whole time. But from producing a giant album to being part of a Disney movie to being part of a current huge thing in music in TikTok, I mean, the guy has staying power, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I can't believe all the things that I've learned today and just the fact that he's done all of these things, it's like I might be calling Matthew Wilder up and seeing if he <laughs> wants to produce something for us. I was gonna say if you Dude. if you hit that Kickstarter goal, which you're here to promote, yeah, maybe yeah. your push goal should be to get Matt Wilder to produce it. We're just gonna <laughs> throw the whole thing at him. <laughs> how much pay? How much payola for Matthew Wilder? We need to know. We call, need a price. Call tag. up your old friend. Call up your old friend. <laughs> Joe Iscrow. Joe Iscrow. Get, God, get you guys aren't playing this new Roots of Creation record. It's already number one on every clear channel station. If you put Joe, a Joe Iscrow level on your Kickstarter, that'd be pretty badass. I want to know how much it is for a Joe Iscrow level. Yeah. Hey, Brett, what, when's the Kickstarter end? We need to know. What, when, when's our last Okay, day? cool. So we launched the Kickstarter maybe about a month ago, and it's about to end very soon i will tell you it ends at midnight on the 21st so 11:59 on the 21st technically the 22nd and we are at 95 percent of our goal so we're really close and if we hit our goal this album dub free or die our first self-produced album uh will be put out we're really excited about it the support has been amazing we lost our budget obviously because we haven't been able to tour or, or or do the merch sales. Luckily, we have amazing fans that have kept our record label, which we run, and our band from going bankrupt because we have overhead like any business through online live streams and our, our merch sales. But it hasn't been quite enough to keep creating stuff. So we wrote a bunch of material, and we got to spend time with our family, and we're grateful for it. But we're ready to put out new music and eventually hit the road. And if we go past our goal, we're going to possibly make uh, Grateful Dub, a reggae fuse tribute to the Grateful Dead Volume 2, which people are really excited about, and uh, maybe some more uh, lyric-based music. So we're excited to get a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. So for those of you who nice are thing. listening to it the day that it releases, and I'll drop this a little earlier than normal, you have until the end of the day to get on that Kickstarter and make a donation. So <laughs> there's never been a time like right now. <laughs> <laughs> to go do it now the link is in the notes <laughs> like, regardless of when you listen to this because i don't know if everyone's going to be listening to it the day it comes out but regardless of when you're listening to this check out roots of creation my buddy steve had said before i even knew you were coming on the podcast like yeah. a month ago or more steve sent me your music you guys are great and thank you uh, so much i think people are going to enjoy it if you're 95 percent of the way there i feel confident you're you're going to get there it's like an a plus it's like an a plus at school yeah yeah for sure <laughs> and uh before you go man we got we got i i think that maybe maybe after our discussion today we might be on the same page but we have to say do we think matthew wilder 
brought the one hit thunder or was he a one hit blunder? I don't know, man. I kind of think this dude is thunder as fuck. Like, <laughs> I, 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 uh, you know, thunder may, wild. Well, once again, did you did know his name, Brett? You knew the name Matthew Wilder coming into this? I did only because I had to research it to find right. the co- the chords and the lyrics. Okay. When I when I learned it back in the day, I did not know who it was prior to doing research. And I almost typed his name as Matthew Strider like three different times when I was writing the notes. So That would have been a better name. <laughs> you know, Matthew Strider, the break my stride guy. Uh, but obviously the dude has maintain this awesome music career that and done so many different things. Yeah. I think. Hey, and he didn't even have to get in a van. (laughs) No. This whole time. No, no. Four decades later. Yeah, man. It's it's all, it's all been, I don't don't know how much he toured in front of, you know, break my stride. But I mean, after that producing Milan, I mean, he gets to hang out with his family and, and, and do, and do well. The, the guy's the guy seems like a genius. If this TikTok keeps going, if this TikTok popularity keeps going, Matt Kelly's prediction of 2021, if this TikTok remains popular for, say, four more months, Matthew Strider is performing Break My Stride in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> I'm going to say it right. I'm going to say it right now that Matt's right in four months. If it if it continues, he is going to change his name to Matthew Strider, and he's gonna, and he's going to perform in the Macy's Day Parade his song "Break My Stride." This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Ophios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Express off the Punchline album Major Motion Picture. Listen for that DMX sample, RIP, DMX. If you haven't yet, and you are listening to this the day it came out, this is the last day to donate to Brett's Kickstarter, so please find the link in our notes and make a quick donation. If you have any interest in podcasting for yourself, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com and see how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com, and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. 
Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!